This week on the Magnificently Huge Podcast, 2011's Margin Call. Welcome to the Magnificently Huge Podcast with your hosts, Eric Reed, Brian Kruger, and Chris Ryerson. Three idiots who decided to slap an adverb together with an adjective to bring you one magnificently huge discussion each week about the movies and pop culture we kind of like, maybe even secretly love, before we ultimately crab all over them. We're not here to save the world, we're just here to make it weirder, one podcast at a time. This is Magnificently Huge. So, after weeks of sitting through juvenile films that my co-podcasters made me sit through, like Masters of the Universe and Back to the Future, uh, I I thought I'd pick a more grown-up movie, especially in these fun times we live in, at the time of this podcasting. Fun's the wrong word. Um, Harrowing? During these harrowing times we live in. Uh, I thought it would be good to look back at the 2007-2008 housing crisis to prove that shit can always be bad. We're living in rough times right now, and there'll be rough times in the future. There'll be good times in the future, though. We bounce back. We get Obamas now and again. Um, I say this the night after another riot in downtown Portland, just a few miles from where I live. Uh... So, yeah, I'm working on being positive. Anyway, that's why I picked this movie, which is a downer, but it is really an incredible low-budget film that everybody should see. A few interesting notes. It was shot in 21 days. Uh, I think it had a budget of $1.5 million. And Jeremy Irons had to hustle to get a visa to come into the country to make it that at the last minute he got and was able to be in this film. Uh, A lot of the people just had to catch flights like an hour or two after wrapping their scenes because they were on such a tight hustle of a budget. And the director, J.C. Kander, this was his first directing feature. And it's really astonishing, especially when you think of the, the amount of money he had to work with and the caliber of actors that were in this Stanley Tucci, Zachary Quinto Paul Bettany, Jeremy Irons, the infamous Kevin Spacey Uh, that's a cast and a half for a first time directing project so you should see it and if you have seen it maybe you'll enjoy this and if you haven't seen it maybe you'll decide to see it because I love this movie Margin Call from 2011. Let's hit it. I am Tiger Woods. I am Tiger Woods. I am Tiger Woods. Welcome to Liars Club, everybody. <laughs> My name is Tiger Woods. Now, gay, okay, shut up, dick. I'm Tiger Woods. You're not Tiger Woods. <laughs> uh, this is Arnold Palmer. Welcome to the show. Oh, yeah. I'm not. Jeez. I'm not going to say I'm Tiger Woods. Are you stupid? yeah i'm not tiger woods are wait brian are you actually tiger woods um no i'm brian hi everybody hello welcome to the show i'm I'm eric that was eric and you're who are you chris i'm i'm arnold palmer i've already i've already said okay we got it the the only golfer with a really delicious beverage named after him if you've never had one it's (laughs) delectable it's half iced tea half lemonade under ice and it's so so no refreshing. Liquor. No, if it's got recovering alcoholics, yeah, drink if of you got liquor in it, it's called a Tom <laughs> Daly. That's a fact. So yeah, that's never mind. Golf humor. Uh, yeah. So Woo! I guess what are so guys? You're you're in Austin and Phoenix. What are federal agents doing to your uh, neighbors? I think they're all days? in your neck of the woods. Still, they haven't made it down here. Uh, uh, yeah, I yeah. hear they're franchising. We don't have democratic mayors and governors, <laughs> yeah. so we're not being retaliated against. Yeah. Uh-huh. Yeah. 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 So, like, as of last night, this morning, uh, the the protest turned into a full-scale riot, and the people charged the federal building and uh, tore down the yeah. gates. It's, it's, it's kind of what, uh, yeah. oh, what Trump wanted when he sent him in. That's, I mean, that's just... Yeah. 
bold faced. Mm. So it worked. Yeah. Uh, but it'll we've provoked. It'll be fun though. Now we're yeah. But yeah, it'll still great. backfire. It'll be f- it'll be fun when this goes to court, you know, and they try and say, "Oh no, no, we're trying to protect you know against graffiti or whatever," and they'll be like, "Yeah, but you right out and said you're doing it just because they're Democrat. They're you know Democrat run yeah. cities. He's pretty you know, much. It's kind of like." It's kind of like every other bullshit yeah. excuse. That's well. Here's the deal: the Trump <laughs> is sort of like the the Raptors in Jurassic Park. He's pushing against the fence repeatedly to find the weak spots where no one can stop him. Uh, that's pretty much what all this is about. And so he's got a hundred days yeah. left, and it's only going to get crazier until the election. And then we can deal with the whole bag of crazy where he goes, "Nope, all of those uh, results are invalid. I don't agree with them." And then we get a heart start that whole circus. So I'm really looking forward yeah. to the next three to four months ish. Person, man, <laughs> woman, camera. There's TV. no way those were the actual words. That's just what was in his eyeline, by the way. That's what he saw yeah. at that moment. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> I I love the kind of uh like you know, like in any other situation, it would have been just, you know, like nitpicking. But when you're talking about your memory test, you should probably come prepared with the name of your memory test, not, uh, and I asked Dr. Ronnie for, he gave me the, uh, whatever it's called. Wait a minute, you knew this interview was happening, you dumb shit. Why didn't you know the name of the- You know by now that he just says whatever pops into that magic little brain of his- with no yeah. forethought. Like when he said he's going to send 75,000 federal agents into cities across the country. As people have rightly pointed out, that's almost eight divisions. Uh, and there are only like 30,000 troops deployed in Europe across the entire continent of Europe. So people are like, where the fuck are you going to get 75,000 federal agents just magically into your, your cities? So yeah, he's full. Well, people like bigger. Yeah, he's something. so full People shit. like bigger, so I say bigger. I don't know, maybe 100,000, yeah. maybe 500,000. Could be a million, could be he's a million. So, uh, Remember that? No one's he's, ever he's, seen anything yeah. like it before. People are saying. <laughs> yeah. Have oh, you heard? God. I fucking hate <laughs> yeah. that that expression is like, Found its yeah. way into regular speech of some have folk. You, have you heard? People are you know? saying. <laughs> yeah. Anyway, yeah, fuck this noise. Another week in the trenches. Like no one has ever seen. Uh, uh, I think it was, it was a Frank Bruni New York Times op-ed that you should find because it's hilarious. But the general title is something along the lines of President Trump or Donald Trump is the greatest president in the history of the cosmos ever. And it literally, yeah. and then it literally just goes bit by bit and talks about what a fucking lion asshole piece of shit he is. It's amazing. It's the best takedown ever. So yeah, as, as uh, people are probably told by now, uh, we really don't like this guy. We kind of, we kind of despise yeah. him. Hey, sometimes, sometimes you got to roll the potato. You know. <laughs> yeah. Well, there you go. So the another uh, fun week in f- fascism. Uh, thanks for bringing it up, Eric. Yeah. Uh, so. So, enough of that lame shit. Let's hit some fresh shit. This shit is fresh. Oh, shit. That is fresh. This stuff is really fresh. Uh, unless you want to keep talking about fascism. Yeah, I don't know. I mean, if you're if you're down for it. I, no. I, I mean, I, I can do this all nothing. day. I've been being gentle. <laughs> yeah. And we yeah. appreciate that, Brian. Well, I'll, I'll go first then. Because uh, honestly, I had to just sort of stop the news for uh, multiple days this week, and I went out looking for what Brian likes to call brain garbage. Yay! And I, and Ooh. in the hopes that it would give me something to talk about, and uh, boy howdy, did I find something! Uh, <laughs> <laughs> I, for the first time in some thirty years, I sat down and watched in its entirety Cannonball Run Two, starring Burt Reynolds and Dom DeLuise and a, a brave. bevy. Of celebrities from 1984. Uh, I will go on record and I will say that it still holds up as the best Cannonball Run sequel. (laughs) (laughs) High praise. Yeah, Yeah, no hyperbole there. I guarantee you it's the best Cannonball Run sequel. Uh, But it's also the last screen appearance of Dean Martin and Frank Sinatra. Uh, And Shirley MacLaine was in it, so yeah, there's a Rat Pack thing that uh, happened. Yeah. what am I doing in this limousine? I have Alzheimer's. Yeah. Where oh, am it's I? Awful. 
That's why the lady is a shoe. Uh, but for those who are uh, somehow not aware of Cannonball Run 2, it's the sequel to Cannonball Run, which is basically just a movie about a rich chic who puts on a race cross-country, and then the winner gets like a million dollars, and then a bevy of knuckleheads and nitwits show up to race across the country. Uh, that's the really razor-thin story, and then really it's just a bunch of... Uh, and it, like just <laughs> little mini adventures by all the various assorted cast. It's so dumb. If you if you've ever wondered why Burt Reynolds was a superstar, you can watch this and still yeah. wonder. Yes. Well, this was apparently the last of his sort of uh, like yeah his, his like the, the comedies <laughs> like this. I mean, it was like, and I think it's the last one he made with Hal Needham, and he had done like Smokey and the Bandit one and two. He'd done Hooper. Uh, Hal Needham is just a yeah Stroker a former age. stuntman who basically just makes movies so he can do like stunt sequences, and they're yeah they're just they're dumb. But this one, it's uh, Ricardo Montalban is a is a rich chic. Uh, his son is Jamie oh. Farr, uh, <laughs> uh, and for yeah. some reason Doug McClure is Jamie Farr's like manservant slave, and he wears like the Aladdin <laughs> outfit. <laughs> <laughs> and oh you come God. to fight and you come to fight it and like Ricardo Montalban asks him early it's like the first scene and they like slap him he goes a thousand thanks a thousand thanks and then they go aren't you an actor well no uh, not anymore and then you come to find out he hasn't had a gig in like nine years so this is his job now so apparently according to the movie logic this is literally Doug McClure <laughs> it's like and that sets the tone for the rest of the movie it's just so dumb from start to finish but you got Shirley MacLaine, Mary Lou Henner, uh, Tony Danza. So there's your taxi connection. Then you've got like uh, Jim Neighbors in his final film role. Uh, You've got, uh, who's the other one? Uh, Not Gomer, but his cousin from Andy Griffith's show. Uh, Goober. Goober? Goober's in it. And uh, Judy, Judy, Judy. And then Don Knotts shows up later. So there's your Andy Griffith connection. Uh, Don Knotts has a scene oh. with Tim Conway as two bungling highway cops who pull over Tony Danza's <laughs> ride, and he's with he's with Mel Tillis. I guess they're cousins. That's sort of loosely explained, and they con Goober into using a limo that's been constructed where you can drive it from the back seat, and then up front they put an orangutan so it looks like a monkey is driving the car. That's the well, joke. Well, that's a good there. way to win a race. Right? <laughs> it doesn't, yeah. None yeah, of exactly. Nobody's yeah. pulling that out. Uh, <laughs> then Dean Martin and, uh, and Sammy Davis Jr. In the previous movie, they dressed like priests, thinking that that would get them a free pass with cops, and that didn't work. So this time out, they're dressed like cops, but they're not driving a cop car, really. It doesn't make any sense. Uh, and they're also being pursued by the mob because Charles Nelson Riley <laughs> is a mob's boss's son who owes a lot of money to Telly Savalas, who runs Vegas, and there's some shenanigans there. And all the mob guys are named after Italian foods. So you've got the cannellonis, the raviolis, the... You know, Given the like, involvement <laughs> of the actual mob, most likely in the production of this movie, I Probably. wonder how they feel about this. Oh, I don't know. But it's so dumb. And then you've got the two hot chicks, and this one driving the Lamborghini, and this one Susan Anton, and... Uh, what's her name? Barbara Bach? The one from Dukes of Hazard who played the... Yeah. The cousin. It's either Catherine uh, Bach or yeah, Barbara Yeah, because they couldn't get... Yeah. They couldn't get Adrian Barbeau. Probably. Adrian Barbeau. <laughs> oh, God. <laughs> and let's see, who else is in... Oh, uh, let's see. Telly Spall's uh, Kojak. Uh, oh, and it's uh, one of Jackie Chan's earliest film roles. And he's part of the Japanese team driving like a Nissan, I guess. And it's all tricked out with all this fancy tech. But it's being driven, this tiny little car, being driven by Richard Keel, who is Jaws from the Bond movies. <laughs> <laughs> and they've got like all this like radar tech and invisibility shit and the car like hovers i mean it's just so stupid and then at one point see this is how the film got made everything <laughs> you're explaining sounds hilarious yeah. but like but put together on celluloid it's probably just trash yeah. yeah uh it's just it is junk it is brain garbage to the nth degree <laughs> And the best part about the whole movie is that it's supposed to be a cross-country race from L.A. to Connecticut. And literally the first three quarters of the movie is spent in eastern California, western Nevada. It's like an overnight thing. 
it doesn't make any sense time-wise. Uh, and then suddenly they resolve all of the, the mafia shenanigans where everybody gets into a big giant clusterfuck fight at some deserted like ranch house hotel thing in the middle of the desert. And they defeat Telly Savalas and they're like, oh no, now we got to get on the race. And then literally like the last 10 minutes is just this cartoon graphic of an arrow going across the, <laughs> the country until they reach really? the East Coast. Yeah, so like the whole race is basically done in like a minute on screen oh, with a geezer. cartoon arrow. It's, like, it's the dumbest, dumbest thing. Oh, so oh, yeah. No. Oh, that's awful. Yeah, so not even the Menudo theme song can save this thing. But if you like that particular ooh, the Burt Reynolds star-studded deal with Dom DeLuise as Captain Chaos and just a lot of celebrity cameos where it looks like they're just borderline embarrassed to be in it but still having fun, uh, then this is the movie for you. Yeah. yeah. And they never... You know, that's that's worth it right there alone to see Dom DeLuise embarrassed at being in anything <laughs> yeah yeah true yeah looking at his body of work oh ah, yeah uh abe vigoda shows up as one of the mobsters who's chasing like keystone cop style chasing it's him and uh oh what's his face uh from the godfather i always forget his name uh my name is mo green that guy oh i i don't know his name ever uh oh alex rocco that's who it is Wow, you're good. Uh, <laughs> and so, yeah, shenanigans ensue. Uh, the only thing I can really tell you about it while this is indelible in my brain is because when I went to University of Southern California for that really dismal couple of years, <laughs> my first foray into college failure, I hung out with a bunch of screenwriting students. Uh, and the second year they had, an, they shared an apartment and I hung out there all the time. And screenwriters, mind you, uh, some of whom have gone on to fairly successful careers above the tv in the living room they had put up a poster of cannonball run 2 that they found on the sunset strip and they worshipped it it was like a shrine and the only thing i remember is the tagline it says the popcorn's in the lobby the nuts are on the screen end of story (laughs) (laughs) so yeah wow Canem- oh, well yeah. done, sir. So I, Good I pass the torch to you because I can't top it. Ooh. Yeah. Uh, okay. <laughs> all right. Well, I'll go next because, you know, I, I, I don't want to get in. Brian will have the cavalcade no, of, I won't. of entertainment after me. Oh, <laughs> no, no? I have a couple of Go. Yeah. Well, then what don't you have? Go okay. for it. Uh, well, for my brain garbage about racing cars uh, to make oh. myself feel better this week. You, it's a theme. It it is. Uh, I finally got around to watching the I think it was 2008 Speed Racer movie by the Wachowskis. Ah, I haven't seen that in okay. a couple of years. What did you think? I had never seen it before. Um, right? Nope, nope. Had that had never pulled the trigger on it. Um, and and did, were you a watcher of the original? I cartoon? was not. Uh, did okay. not care. Um, so uh, I'm guessing it got lost in translation then. Ah, no, no, I mean, clearly we're making an anime with humans instead of drawings, right? Like, <laughs> yeah. that's what we're doing here. Um, I really gotta, I gotta hand it to the Wachowskis, though, because they left the monkey in as a main character. I thought that was the, hilarious. The monkey was there, and apparently the ASPCA was not happy about how the monkey was treated on set, either. Well, um, boo-hoo. They did that for Keanu in Matrix as well, so, yeah. The, the ASPCA wasn't happy about how Keanu was treated. <laughs> yeah, you oh, didn't know okay. that. That's yeah, that's a little known fact. Hmm. Yeah. Um. Yeah, I mean, I don't know. I've been watching a lot of these like E3, you know, next gen consoles are coming out videos, and and basically the the Forza Motorsport and the Gran Turismo videos look about at the same level of quality as the Speed Racer movie. Like, I'm watching this whole thing, and I'm like, God damn, there better be a video game of this, because this whole thing is a video game in terms of, like, the type of racing and the tracks. It's They're basically playing Wipeout. Um, yeah. I guess there I was like, a game yeah. for the PS2 and the Wii, but I just don't have the heart to go dig that up. Like, they um, had the power-ups on the track and stuff, too. Yeah. I mean, it literally was just a video game, yeah. 
So, so the movie. The movie. <laughs> I mean, it's it's an anime. It's video game physics in a video game world. They do the backgrounds like the anime. Um, they've they apparently thought that the future was going to be full of segways. So there's a whole lot of segways. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> I like I like how they handled Racer X though. Matthew Fox was very well cast in that. Uh, and every time they cut to him, it was always that typical anime shot, like the the close up face, but they don't really show any dialogue. It's just that like <sighs> kind of a thing. Yeah. Well, <laughs> they, they the spirit, right? Live yeah. action anime girl. This is a movie made for eight year old boys. Straight yeah. up movie. Definitely, it's, it's a family film. It's you know, it's kept very clean. It's kept very traditional and wholesome, and I think that that's why it didn't find its audience. Like, the new movie by the makers of The Matrix is totally yeah. not for the audience of The Matrix. Well, uh, I love yeah. Speed Racer because it really, it's the first movie in a long run of just crap for the Wachowski. Because <laughs> <laughs> it's like, they did The Matrix sequels and people were sort of nonplussed, even though it made a shit ton of money. This was the first directorial thing they had done after. And then they followed it up with something like Cloud Atlas. I think V for Vendetta a, fits in the middle there somewhere. But well, they, yeah. they produced that one. Yeah. Right. Uh, and then they did Cloud Atlas, which is a very dense movie. And, and Jupiter uh, Ascending. And, and Jupiter and, Ascending yeah. Yeah. and blah, blah, blah. Another AKA Dog Boy. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> so, and now they're back to Matrix 4. So it's like, I don't understand their career at all, but this really represents like a very strange I, turn. I liked this movie. I liked it a lot. I, I remember thinking, oh, this is going to suck, and then watching it and going, oh, this is actually charming. I, I mean, for what it is. You know, yeah, everything is indoor green screen, yeah. but everything is indoor green screen. This is just more colorful yeah. and more cartoony. Yeah, they, it's kind of like, it's it's non-real. Yeah, they definitely the, did that's it. That's the experience of watching the movie. The first 30 minutes, you're like, this is going to suck. And then yeah. it eventually, like, you acclimate to its... I mean, it feels like Shark Boy and Lava Girl, right? It feels like, like this cheap Robert Rodriguez <laughs> thing. And then it just, like, eventually just overwhelms you yeah. with it, it its basically, tone yeah. it, and its approach. And it's like, just yeah. just strap in, guys. This yeah. is what it, it is. Go. It, it pummels you into submission. Yeah, yeah, I think that's the best way to put it. I just remember watching it. I've sort of half in, half out. Uh, and then they got to that weird like fight scene standoff in the middle of the movie Ninjas. that just grind yeah grinds everything to a halt <laughs> and it's like this weirdly orchestrated fight with the green screens and stuff and it's so weirdly shot yet at the same time very people interesting kicking shot. at the camera yeah. while other people's moved <laughs> yeah. aside like the diorama cards yeah, yeah it's it's completely yeah. Uh, goofy yeah, and, and it took me right out of it, if that's even possible to say about Speed Racer. <laughs> well, I, I was watching this and I'm like, there's so much green screen here. This movie could have been made in 2020 during quarantine. They could have just put green screens yeah. in everybody's house and made this movie. And yeah. gotten hey, the same oh, result. that would have been dope. Yeah, that would be so dope. We should do it. Yeah, let's, let's, do let's it. totally do it. Let's do okay. it. <laughs> but I mean, John Goodman selling his anime character of, you know, the 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 old school, you know, John Henry mechanic guy and yeah, Christina Ricci and Susan Sarandon selling wholesome. S- Christina Ricci and Susan Sarandon were like, if nothing else made to be in an anime live action film with those great big plate. Right. Eyes. Yeah, exactly. They didn't need to do weird elitist stuff to Christina Ricci's face. She just has that face. No. <laughs> yeah. She's yeah. just got an anime face. But I do so, like what they did with the uh, the theme song at the end. I thought that was yeah, cool. that was awesome. And uh, it's got like every language. Luckiest kid this side of Chunk from the Goonies. 
Yeah. Right. Yeah. Oh. So, yeah. Brain garbage? You bored? You in quarantine? Movie you haven't seen before, maybe, but that, you know, if you want pixels, we got pixels. Speed yeah. Racer, it's on HBO it's Max than right pixels. now. Yeah. Oh, it's it's way better than pixels. Yeah. I don't know no, if I it's better than... like it's computer graphics, you know. Yeah. It's I don't know if it's better than... Uh, the movie pixels. I don't know if it's better than Cannonball Run 2, though, which was done all practical. So, you know. <laughs> it doesn't sound but like think... it was. It sounds like it was done with a with a Sharpie <laughs> on a map. <laughs> 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 but the, I think the the real theme here is that everything old is new again because we're stuck at home. So yeah, so, yeah. This is what this is what we call fresh shit when we've watched everything, everything on Netflix. Yeah. So the oh, other thing God. we picked up this week that's surprisingly fun. Um, it's a show you can watch it on Hulu. Um, uh, made by um uh uh, uh what's his name? Hold on, shit. Simon Rich. Simon Rich who was a Saturday Night Live writer and also is the guy who's been the creator of that Miracle Workers show I've been watching. Okay. His earlier show is called Man Seeking Woman, and it stars Jay Baruchel, uh, however you pronounce his last name. Oh, I love that show. And, oh, yeah. I know this show. It's awesome. Yeah, it's got I'd, those like, weird, like, f- like dreamy like sidebar stuff right yeah like well it's it's, okay. a, it's a show about a guy in new york young looking for love guy it just it takes everything and ramps it to the most absurd possible like place like when he's set up on a blind date you know and, and is being told about the the woman's personality she is an actual troll like full-on <laughs> yeah full yeah. head-to-toe makeup okay. fucking troll you know and and the memories of his ex-girlfriend, they need to call an exorcist. Like, they go way absurd with it. And that's what makes it so fun, is it's taking all of the tropes of, of the sort of, you know, you know, single schmuck and just amplifying them <laughs> to well, I got, insane levels. I gotta say, if you're gonna cast anybody, Jay Baruchel is not a bad choice. I enjoy his work in pretty much everything, because yeah, he just, yeah. he's very affable and he makes it look easy. I don't know how to explain and he's, it. He, he definitely has a, a, a healthy heaping of hapless. Yeah. yeah. I, I think, yeah, that's what you need in this part. Yeah. Like, I wonder how this would compare to like, his role in Goon, where he's just like the bloodlusty hockey fan. Uh, it seems yeah. like the two extremes. And kind of a Yeah, dish. that's like the two extremes <laughs> of Jay Baruchel. <laughs> so, yeah. <laughs> so, yeah, Man Seeking Woman. If you haven't seen it, check it out. It's goofy. It's fun. I laugh. Did you cry? It was a part of you. Oh, no. cool. I'm just laughing. Okay. Well, I'm, gl- I'm glad you didn't watch any right. shitty game shows. That's just my Well, I'm trying opinion. to be a little more selective about what I mentioned on the show. <laughs> okay. Okay. I'm running out okay. of shitty game shows. Anyway, yeah. <laughs> Eric, what do you got? <laughs> uh, so we have Disney Plus for the moment. Yes. And so we've been watching The Imagineers. Yes. It's, the Imagineers it's interesting. Story. Hey? docu-series on the people who make the parks, which is the part I'm the most interested yes. in. Yes, isn't that fun? And, yeah. Uh, it, but what's what's kind of saddening is that it's a lot of stuff I already knew, and what makes that sad is that it's a lot of stuff I already knew. Yeah. Like, what the fuck am I doing with my life <laughs> that I know that much about Disney parks? Yeah. It's All gross the, a little. I did like the, uh, the episode where they do a whole lot on the making of the haunted mansion uh yeah i thought that was cool because of the way they developed the hologram technology because it's the 70s and it's i mean it's like logan's run grade hologram technology but still pretty impressive for 1970s yeah yeah so it's pretty crazy i i like that they didn't pull many punches with the eisner years nope uh they don't they don't sugarcoat it the way you would think Except they didn't go into, in the making of Disney World, I always love the story of how Walt Disney basically fucked a lot of people by, like, having a nameless corporation buy up a lot of land and not tell them what it was for. And and then they're like, they got like 50 cents on the dollar for something that was worth billions of dollars, like, you know, eight days later. Yeah. That's, yeah pretty shitty that's funny <clears throat> but uh, yeah i i like it. it i like learning about the i don't know the history of these parks and what goes into them i'm still not going to china i don't care i don't care what the fuck they do there <laughs> china is terrifying yeah. but uh yeah and my wife tells me she is going to 
by hook or by crook get me to go to uh japan disney or tokyo disney uh-huh. there you go. it's so awesome okay uh yeah so been watching that and enjoying it and it is something to watch if you get disney plus and you finally watched every marvel and star yeah. wars property because <laughs> oh here's what i recommend uh, see see how far you can get on the jeff goldblum show because at times he is quite <laughs> affable and goofy and just I weird made it, i made it through the first episode of the jeff goldblum yeah. show i i made it i'm i got one more to go and it's been like six months uh, he's good in small doses, but it's still fun. Uh, so yeah, but it's Jeff Goldblum. If you ever want to practice your Jeff Goldblum impression, just watch that show yeah. for like three hours. You'll, you'll nail it. I guarantee oh, God. It. David Duchovny does the best Jeff Goldblum impression. I think. <laughs> well, if you ever catch that SNL, if you ever catch that SNL of, of a celebrity jeopardy. Ooh. Um, uh, hmm. Yeah. Yes. Ooh. Yeah. Mm. Life. Mm, uh, mm, finds, mm, uh, away. Yeah. It's fucking great. <laughs> um, <clears throat> well there you go yeah uh and the only other thing i've been uh binge watching uh i hate to say it star trek voyager because Yay! again uh run out of stuff on on netflix in how, how is voyager uh, holding so. up uh 20 years later you know what's 25 years later it is it is weird because i abandoned the show like season four oh really because i was like oh i was just like oh fuck you enough i mean it was just so, so bad once, you, once they brought seven and, and nine and you were out a moot, a moot. But uh, I think that was around the time uh, the UPN was like, we got to jazz up the show and get some wrestling in this. <laughs> and, and I was like, oh, never mind. I'm watching it, and it's it's like a mix of really smart episodes and really dumb episodes. It's like just just the the wave up and down is tremendous. So when you're watching it, uh, when... Uh, Lieutenant Paris comes on. You go, hey, that guy looks like the guy from Masters of the Universe. I do. I'm now, freaking yeah. out, man. <laughs> now I do. Now I look at it and I go, ah, oh, Jesus. I wonder if he has to talk about that ever. Yeah, I wonder. I love the fact that when and, when you and Neelix is the guy from Benson. Yeah, and yeah. then uh, Clayton from Benson was in the Deep Space Nine. I love that connection. Yeah, it's like nobody thinks about yeah. the Benson connection with Star Trek. The Benson connection. <laughs> but damn yeah. it. Ah. Uh, so yeah, uh, so yeah, that's about. So how that's far about are you all. into the Voyager? Then, like, where? I think I think I'm coming up on the end of season. I'm somewhere in the middle of season six. I think. Oh, damn! They just got Ikeb. They just got Ikeb. 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 Whenever Ikeb, yeah. Ikeb shows up, the Borg children. Yes. They have they have a gaggle of Borg six children. Six seasons. What the show needs. That's crazy. Seven seasons long. Oh, it went for seven. Yeah. Yeah, but I yeah. but I can barely like sit through an entire run of Cannonball Run too. Oh, oh no no no! Don't get me wrong. It it took me a couple years. Oh, to get okay, up to okay. Where I am now. I thought you like started binging. Going, ah, like, no, <laughs> you started binging like two weeks yeah. ago, and like I'm watching every fucking episode. God damn it! Yeah, Voyager. Yeah, I I've gotten through. Voyager, when it's good, it's good. <laughs> like when it's bad, it, it's bad. Yeah. Yeah. What's the guy? The second in command, Takote. Chicote. Chicote. He's got the face tattoo, right? Chicote. 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 The guy who's yeah. second in command. Yeah. Because <laughs> when I watch that, like, uh, all it does is when it comes on, I'm like, oh shit, that's the guy from Night of the Comet. I'm out. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> so, and eating Raul. Yeah. It's Raul from eating Raul. Oh, god damn it. Yeah. And yeah. then, of course, Raul. Captain Janeway. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, Mrs. Columbo. Oh, that's right. Yeah, she was also Mrs. Columbo. She was also in Remo Williams, which I caught the, like the last two minutes of this morning. <laughs> yeah, isn't that weird? <laughs> Every time she shows up, I go, "What the fuck?" Here's, here's the magnificently huge podcast. Eric's like, "Hey, here's the Star Trek thing." Is Chris is like, "Yes, but can we talk about Benson and Mrs. Columbo?" <laughs> I don't ever say that. I just bring it up. <laughs> you know, I don't watch Star Trek. I gotta grab onto something. <laughs> Jesus. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> well so you got one Star season left are you in Trek. for the haul are you voyager uh, are you are you in for the the final haul then like one more season i probably i mean I, the way i figure i've 
got maybe another five, six years of life left. And in some point, <laughs> sell yourself I'm going to end up finishing it. Oh, no, don't worry. My savings won't last longer than that. Okay, so okay. five, six years, that's that's good. Um, but yeah, I th- figure some at some point in that time, yeah, I'll probably finish it. I mean, it also depends how long you know we're going to be in the middle of COVID's greatest hits. Uh, well, you got at least uh, through next year, I'm guessing. So yeah, you should be plenty good. Because I've already watched all of... Uh, Deep Space Nine and all of Enterprise. Uh, all right. You know what's hard to watch is The Next Generation. Really? I remember that being much better. <laughs> well, that was a while ago. <laughs> yeah. 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 I was like back when I had like hope. Uh, you know, that was decades ago. I mean, well, the second, third, and fourth seasons of Next Generation are where it's good. Everything else is kind of mm, questionable. You heard it here first, folks. You heard it here first. <laughs> so that's the fresh. That's shit. fresh it. Okay, thank God. Fresh goes better. So fresh is the way to fresh. All right. So what are we doing here? Uh, the 2011 film Margin Call, written and directed by J.D. Candor. I thought it was J.C. Did you watch it? I J. C. I watched Candor. it this did, morning. What did I say? J.D. JC, JC Cantor. Uh, yeah. yeah. So for those of us like me and Brian who had never heard of this movie before it came out and before you mentioned it, uh, mm-hmm. tell the folks at home what give us like the what's the elevator pitch on this thing. It's twenty four hours in a an investment firm the night of the two thousand eight stock market crash. These people come to the conclusion that they are carrying a lot of toxic debt uh, and they need to get rid of it and sort of the discovery of it and the the talk of what to do about it and then realizing that the people in charge not only knew this was coming they had sort of planned on it and now they were going to trash the economy uh, it's it's a very pessimistic look at capitalism but no more pessimistic than it, you know, fucking deserves. Yeah. Let's, yeah. Um, everyone in it is very human. That's one thing you don't expect from a movie about finance. And, um, God, it's his first film. It's his yeah. first film. I was astonished. It was made for one and a half million dollars. Uh, it was shot in like 29 days. Yeah. It was just, you know, it, it's an amazing cast. Yeah. It's just, it's phenomenal, and, and there aren't many people who've seen it, but they really should. Well, here's, well, let's start with the cast, because that was the first thing, because yeah. I'm like, how did I not hear of this movie at all? Uh, but it's super indie, so I think it just snuck in, uh, but it's, yeah. it stars Kevin Spacey, who's, mm-hmm. everybody knows his uh, troubles now, uh, and I have, yeah. I have difficulty watching him in, in things, but I gotta say, he's good in this. And, I didn't have uh, I any trouble watching Kevin yeah. Spacey at all. Maybe that makes me a terrible person. I, I was, just I all I, I was all I can think about is the person uh, and see the character in this. Well, area. I mean, I, he's I, just I did really. He's a hell of a screen presence, and it sucks. It sucks that we have yeah. really talented people who need to be yeah. put in their place. Right? <laughs> so like, there you go. But he's really uh, talented, but he also, but, but he also uh, fits in this. Uh, and I'll come back to that, but it's, it's yeah. Spacey, Paul Bettany, who everybody knows is the vision yeah. pretty much. I was going to say, it's got the vision and Spock and uh, the, yeah, Zachary the host Quinto. from the, mm-hmm. the Hunger Zachary Games. Quinto's production company yeah. actually made this. Yeah. And so, so Zachary he, Quinto's in he it. Had a, yeah. Uh, then Penn Badgley, who everybody's swooning over in that show, you, uh, but I guess he's been yeah, in some other I stuff. Yeah, I didn't know who the hell he was. Yeah. I keep I, hearing that name like I'm supposed to know it. Yeah, I know him from Easy A as Gopher Boy, but whatever. Oh, I loved Easy A. Uh, and then it's got Simon Baker, the mentalist. Uh, yeah. Stanley Tucci uh, from yeah. also Easy A, go figure, mm-hmm. and other stuff. Demi Moore. Demi Moore. Because... They couldn't get, you know, the, the Maxi more. They had to get the Demi. <laughs> Apparently, Carla Gugino was supposed to play that role, but she had to drop out yeah. to, due to conflicts, and so they got Demi Moore instead. I read that. But, but you know, I think she was great in oh, it. Oh, yeah. yeah. But, but I also think, again, it was all written so well 
you know yeah. even 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 somebody who kind of doesn't know what they're doing yeah. would probably look good <laughs> yeah well here's the scene it's uh, it starts out with Stanley Tucci uh as one of the uh several people that he's the risk yeah, analyst he's the risk analyst he's the head of risk analysis uh, and he find he's the one who's looking into this this negative debt they're carrying yeah. uh but, but it's it's a day of mass layoffs yeah. at the firm and he's laid off just as he's about to figure this shit yeah. out. And so they, I like that they play it yeah, like a thriller. Ahead. Like he, he's the guy, the whistleblower, if you will, who finds out. Mm-hmm. Uh, but before he can tell anybody, because the HR people are like, yeah, whatever, we don't care. Just uh, pack your shit up and go. Your phone will be turned off at the end of the day, blah, blah, The way blah. that, okay, the way that they did the HR and it was like, eh, yeah, so we're going to have a more difficult conversation now, you know, and just, I mean, it was, it was, yeah. if you've ever been laid off, it's, yeah, loads of fun to watch this. Um, yeah. It's yeah. a really upbeat film. Good I will guarantee. Yeah. yeah. I will say that. <laughs> uh, so, yeah. I just, I don't understand why HR people are that way in a layoff or a firing situation. It's like, yes, we're going to be as bloodless as we possibly can. <laughs> because their yeah. job is it's to like, keep the company from getting sued. Yeah. Right. Yeah, but it's like, you're not fooling anybody. <laughs> I, 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 I was asked to leave a job once where I said, okay, good. Yes, please. Thank you. Yeah. I, I hate it here. And I was like pulling out my, you know, my parking pass and all my shit and going here, here, here. And they're like, oh, I'm, I'm really upset to hear that you didn't like it here. I'm like, oh, what? You wanted to see me crying and begging yeah. you for my job? Fuck, Fuck you. off. Yeah. What is that? So yeah, so yeah. there's that whole scene where Stanley Tucci is trying to explain to them, and they're like, "Yeah, whatever, deaf ears." And so he's got all of his findings on this uh, USB drive, and so when he's leaving the building, Zachary Quinto is like his underling uh, is there, and he gives him the thing, and he says, "I was working on something, but now I can't finish it. So here you go, and be careful." And then they set it up like it's this weird thriller. And then that starts the ball rolling. And then so Zachary Quinto's character, who turns out to be a literal rocket scientist, you find out later. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Full I love 15 that. minutes of like nothing but Zachary Quinto like looking, looking at, at screens. monitors, right? <laughs> they don't even yeah. show you what he's looking at or explain yeah. it. It's just like it's all and done with it, music and lighting yeah. and facial expressions. And yet it works. Right. I was astonished. Yeah. And the guy that made it, I can't yeah, believe it's he, his first feature. This is very, very when, well done. When he pops his earbuds out of his head and has that pant-shitting look at the screen, yeah. it's like you actually believe something is you know, very majorly yeah. wrong and then I, just based on his face. Yeah. And then there's that whole, when, they, when he finally gets Paul Bettany and Spacey back in the office and has to explain to them what's going on. I like that they didn't uh, do it they in the technical terms. Stuff. They basically lay it out for the audience who doesn't know shit about the financial sector, See, like me. Right. That was actually. But I like how both of- I fault the movie on. Uh, I I agree oh. that they did, it and they were they were like, yeah, explain it to me like I'm a grade schooler, right? Like they literally say that. Yeah. But but here's yeah. the thing: if you're watching this movie, whatever, twenty years from now, say and you didn't live through the 2008 financial crisis, I don't think you're going to follow what they're saying here. They, oh, they I think you will. They, ex- they, explain- they talk about, but they don't really talk about how they're like, you know, bad mortgages that shouldn't have been given out that were then repackaged. They, they, they ad- allude they, to it. Well, they, but you they touch on it later. Done. Well, they touch on it later in the big boardroom meeting when uh, Jeremy Irons finally shows up. And then tells him, explain it to me like I'm a golden retriever. And then they have their little tit-tat. So they, they lay out the they don't go They don't go into the why the way the big short does. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, but that's more of like a docudrama approach yeah. to the crisis. This is really more about the you know, immorality yeah. of <laughs> making money off of disaster and, that you caused. Yeah. Well, I, and it being okay. Well, you did bring it up earlier that, that they, he humanizes these characters in a way that I did not anticipate. Because you watch stuff like yeah. Wall Street or Boiler Room or any of these sort of Wall Street finance type movies, 
And they're all just rapacious robber baron types that are just like the big swinging dicks. And there's definitely that element to it, but they're also very human characters that have actual emotions and thoughts and things that aren't relative to just being rapacious. uh, In the even even Tulled, the Jeremy Irons character, he's he's the 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 most I guess evil person here that you can like you know blame. And even he, at one point, says, this is the way the market works. This shit happens all the time. In the last 200 years, there have been 12, you know, recessions or depressions or major market crashes. You know, these are the rules of the game. Well, I like... And it's kind of hard to fault him. I like that speech, too. There's a whole theme there that that touches on is every character sort of has the thing that they care the most about, and it tends to be expressed in numbers, right? So Stanley Tucci's character cares very deeply about the number of hours of commute time he saved a bunch of people for a bridge he designed back in his <laughs> yeah. career. Other yeah. guys are very focused on mm-hmm. how much money does this guy make, how much money does that guy make. And Jeremy Irons is focused on when did these recessions happen and how am I going to come out on top? Yeah. Right. Well, that mm. that's that monologue that he gives to Kevin Spacey near the end, uh, I think perfectly sums up what the movie is trying to get across, is the mm-hmm. fact that these guys are this way because this will happen again it has happened before that's just the cycle and i think that's why so many people like that are attracted to it because when he goes in and just lists off the thing he's like it's you know it's no different than it's ever been 1637 1797 1939 mm-hmm. blah. and he lists off like a dozen different years that were all just fucking horrible financially and then it starts to come into to focus you're like oh shit yeah this is just the cycle and these yeah, guys yeah. suck well and at the very end of it he's I like think- and so things are going to be shitty for a while and we're going to profit off of it <laughs> Right. Paul Bettany, I think, addresses that as well in, you know, his speech to the young analyst in his car when he tells him, look, this is what people want. They want, you know, all this luxury and stuff without having that they can't afford. They need us to, you know, tilt the scales in their favor in order to make it work. I love the end of that line, too, because it's a pretty straightforward, cynical take on everything. He's, you know, he's like, they'd say they don't want it and they want to play innocent, pretend they have no idea where it came from. He's like, and that's more hypocrisy than I'm willing to fo- swallow. So fuck them. <laughs> like, oh, fuck me. Oh, God, that's right there. He just lays it bare. You know, the last time I watched that, I thought he said, that's more dicks than I'm willing to swallow. I thought that's a really fucking awesome line. <laughs> that would work too. <laughs> yeah. But I also love the details that this guy throws into it. It's all, it's very very much inspired by stuff like Glengarry Glen Ross, like David Mamet stuff, but it doesn't have like the zippy Mamet inflected dialogue because that's, I mean, who can replicate that? But it comes pretty close. And and nobody actually speaks that yeah. way, which is kind of my problem with David Mamet. Yeah. But uh, like, hi, look at me. I'm David Mamet. <laughs> I will now do some Mameting. Yeah. But there's a lot of parallels uh, to it. Uh, but I love all of the, like the quirky character details that just, that aren't even really in your face. They just sort of happen. Uh, and that's, I think where the, the movie shines is that Chandor knows how to do more with less. Uh, and so you get like Paul Bettany's character who, when you first meet him, he's chewing gum just like nervously. And you're like, what the fuck is this guy's deal? And you think, oh, he's just another cock on the walk kind of thing then you come to find out that he's chewing nicorette gum and he just he's incessantly chewing it because he's trying to quit smoking and then when all the shit hits the fan they're up on the roof and he lights up a cigarette and then he's not without a cigarette the rest of the movie i'm like oh that's perfect and then kevin spacey's character you come to find out in his first scene that his dog is basically dying and so that's like now that's really interesting there's the layoffs all happen and everyone's getting duck walked out of the office and uh, everyone is like very shaken by it. And Paul Bettany comes in like, hey, you all right? Because he's been crying in his office. Yeah. And he's like, my my dog is dying. And for just a moment, and I love my dog. I'm, I, 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 I didn't cry when mine died, but, you know, yeah. I, I love my dogs. So I get it. Uh, but when he does it in that moment, it's kind of like, oh, what an asshole. He's more concerned with his dog mm-hmm. than, you know, this firing thing. And it turns out, actually, no, that's not really what he's crying about. Yeah. 
it's, you know, he's crying about his lost life. Yeah. The life that he lost to this, you know, fucking company. Yeah. The same way Demi Moore asks Stanley Tucci, do you have kids? Yeah. It's really her way of saying, I didn't have any kids because I gave it all up for this, yeah. you know, fucking life. Because he asks her, what's your package going to be like? She's like, I don't know, yeah. but it better be good. It's amazing. <laughs> this is his first film. Yeah. Yeah, he wrote. That, he wrote this that thing. It, he has so much subtlety. Well, apparently his dad was a like a stockbroker or something, and then he had worked yeah. in one of these offices. And I think what I read was he was in Boulder, I think, or Denver, and he was killing time in between job interviews with this idea. So he wrote the script in like four days. Four days. Yeah. It's like holy shit. There's a lot of layers in what this. What an thing. asshole. Yeah. Fuck him. <laughs> <laughs> uh, but I love the fact that they start with Space's character where you find out his dog is dying and that lends an air of humanity to him but that's also a perfect metaphor it's like he knew that the dog being this financial firm was had a cancerous tumor and was just fucked uh, but he was incapable of stopping it because of all the other forces it's like oh shit so now he's carrying all of that around and i love that the end scene is him just finally burying his dog in the front yard yeah. of his ex-wife's house and they have that little exchange and then the end credits are basically just the sound of him digging the hole just a shovel so going that came up at the end and i'm like what the fuck <laughs> That was the end. Well, you knew his dog. You knew his dog was dying. But I love the fact that that's the final statement of the movie. It's the sound of them digging the their the hole deeper and deeper. So nothing is fixed. Everything is still fucked. I was like, oh, this is the most cynical movie I remember seeing in I don't know how long. <laughs> Thank you, Eric. I'm glad you liked it. That was good. Yeah, okay. I don't know if I'd watch it again. Two, but yeah, two moments where I felt like the movie was setting me up, and then I didn't get a payoff. Um. So the movie takes place overnight and they have to get everybody, you know, ready to to basically liquidate everything at 6 a.m. By the way, nobody drives that fast in New York City anywhere near 6 a.m. as Paul Bettany can. But anyway. (laughs) um, Well, later they're stuck in traffic and he says, when (laughs) Zachary Quinn is like, traffic is fucking worst in this town. And it's like 11 at night. The first time we see the sun has come up. Right, so Demi Moore's character has been uh, told that she's going to be the sacrificial head uh, that you know gets gets fired and everything gets pinned on her. And there's a shot. It's the first time we see the sun come up. It's Demi Moore looking out over the city. The sun is coming up. It's a new day, and the music is making this kind of tick-tocky thing happen. And and it just tells me she's plotting. She's scheming. She's gonna get her revenge. No, no, none of that. It's Oh, see, yeah. I yeah, I always got all that that moment that's almost montage of her. It was her contemplating what she'd given up. It's like, oh shit, yeah. I I did all that for this. Yeah, hmm. no, yeah, I picked Which, up a whole different thing off of the the way the cinematic uh, language yeah. was telling me. It's like, okay, here's the new thing right now. The yeah. other thing was just. Uh, they they made reference. They 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 point out Chekhov's gun. They make reference to somebody jumping off the roof, and then nobody jumps off the roof. But anyway. well, not literally, <laughs> not literally. Yeah. But I think you get a lot of figurative leaps. Uh, I mean, they literally went up on the roof and and sat on the rail and looked down at one yeah. point, and and it's like, I'm surprised that didn't come back. Yeah. But, but of the three of them on the roof, uh, Paul Bettany, Zachary Quinto, and Penn Badgley, uh, Penn Badgley's the one that basically got the shaft because uh, yeah. he ended up getting let go. And then there's that whole scene with him in the bathroom stall, like crying. And then yeah. Simon Baker's character comes in, who's just like the, the soulless dickhead yeah, of he's, the movie. He's Jamie Dimon, right? Basically. Yeah. Uh, and he comes in. And Penn Badger sort of comports himself and then comes out of the stall and there's Simon Baker like shaving in the mirror, getting ready for the big final meeting. Uh, and Penn Badger's just like, I'm, I'm basically going to get fired, aren't I? Like, yeah, pretty much. <laughs> it's like the whole scene is like, oh, that's just, you know, it's blunt, but it kind of has to be said. And then you're like, oh, that guy, that poor guy is so fucked. Meanwhile, <laughs> Quinto and Spacey get promoted uh, to handle the aftermath. And there's that beautiful shot where they're coming back in and it's them on the elevator 
or escalator going up. And then you realize at that point at the end of the movie, it's like, oh shit, those are the only two that really got above the situation. I'm like, <laughs> the visual grammar in this thing, for the most part, is just astonishing for a first feature. I was just, I was stunned. I really was. Yeah. Oh, that was another thing that, that, that was there screaming at me visually that had no payoff was the cleaning lady. There's a scene where two high-powered executives <laughs> yeah, are in the elevator yeah. talking on either side of a cleaning lady, and they're, you know, they're speaking carefully, but still, there's plenty mm-hmm. to be gleaned, and the cleaning lady is clearly listening to all of this. But again, no payoff to that, just, and now she gets well, out of the elevator. What do you think would be a payoff? Yeah, really? I don't know, Situation. but why was the cleaning lady there? Because like, it was cleaning. cleaning. I, I think from a cinematic this, purpose. <laughs> like what, you know, but we here's the thing. in the elevator where these two people fine. Why well, frame here, it that way? Why, why give us because, that? Because, because you've got the two... <laughs> suits talking because they they don't want to they don't want to actually say what they're feeling they're yeah. still modulating yeah. because there's a witness yeah and so this is them not only trying to fuck with each other but trying to fuck with each other politely yeah. because someone else is there to stop yeah them. but also the way that it's set up is this is the first instance in the movie where these financial dickheads are actually in close proximity to normal people from the street whose mm-hmm. actions they're do who their actions are going to fuck over, and so it's them having to sort of talk about this, whereas they're fucking these people over, but in such a way where they can't tell people they're getting fucked over. So before it was real easy because it was all just in the air; it was just theoretical. But mm-hmm. now, when they're actually faced with actual people, they're that kind of gives them a, a oh shit pause, it's yeah. yeah. And so suddenly they it start the reality starts seeping in where they can't just ignore what they're doing. I think that's the purpose of the mm-hmm. scene. And again, it's it's show don't tell, and I think it, it works very well once you get the complete movie, and then you start looking back over it. Uh, it's a very very well polished first feature, and yeah. I'm surprised this it's, guy didn't get more work after. You know, it's funny. Uh, it, 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 Shakespeare never has just one reason a character enters or exits. There's like two or three reasons at work, and. I like that in this film, there are two or three reasons why shit happens. You know, it's, it's some, it's story, but it's also uh character. It's uh tone. I mean, there's just so much attention to all these things. It's either a fucking incredibly lucky accident or, you know, this guy's yeah, no, genius. There's no way this was but an I, accident. I want to see another yeah. film. Yeah. So he hasn't gotten work well, after this? He's done a couple. I think he did uh, A Most Violent Year is probably his most... Oh, it's, that's so dreadfully boring. I yeah. didn't know that was him. Uh, but yeah, he's... I mean, he busted onto the scene with this one and got a lot of accolades and then hasn't really done this a, was, a whole lot. His next... This was on the uh, blacklist. This was, uh, I don't know, maybe the 2010 blacklist? Yeah. Which is a collection of the top 10 screenplays in Hollywood that are unproduced yeah. it's a, it which is that it is itself an interesting story the blacklist you yeah okay <laughs> so yeah but he hasn't really made a dent i think his second movie after this was uh, all is lost which was that robert redford like lost at sea survival drama hmm. uh most violent year so yeah he's he's definitely not made a splash which is unfortunate yeah. because it, it's it's a good movie margin call. It's just not flashy, and I don't think that works in his favor because a lot of people want flashy over good. You know what I mean? Mm. Yeah, I think he also lucked out with the subject matter yeah. matching his natural pacing. Because you tell me, you know, the rest of his filmography, and it's like a lot of things that should not use that level of calm and pacing yeah you know like the the uh uh the mob gasoline um scam of the 1970s and a guy lost at sea neither of these things lend themselves to silent (laughs) contemplation (laughs) yeah okay yeah the way a financial crisis does so maybe he'll find something else i don't know uh but as far as i can tell this is I think it's also helped by the fact that this is probably the first movie to come out after the Great Recession started and the bubble popped. 
Uh, so maybe people were a little bit more interested in sort mm-hmm. of seeing what that was all about. And I, I read somewhere, I guess, like the, uh, the Big Short borrowed a lot of ideas from this and sort of extrapolated out to sort of work on their shit. Uh, mm. But I don't know. Yeah. But I, 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 I like The Big Short for, you know, taking great pains to explain exactly what the fuck happened. I haven't you seen know, it yet. Here we're talking about we're talking about tranches of of bad debt and it's like uh, okay that's vague but yeah in <laughs> in in the big short they they very 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 carefully explain what happened and if nothing else it's worth it for that yeah, yeah. i need to watch that yeah uh really when i was watching this uh all i could think of was like well fuck uh do you guys want to go in on a tontine maybe uh <laughs> and just f- fuck it, because, you know, that's basically what this is all like. Just a bunch of people just dumping a bunch of money into a pot, and then the guy that survives at the end wins everything. I mean, that's literally... Do we do we, do we? we then take Luke's lightsaber and cut open the tontine? Because <laughs> I thought they were just smelly bad on the inside. Yeah, outside. Exactly. On the outside is what he says. I got it wrong. Yeah. <laughs> I'm a y- dumb Yeah, dad. you did. Yeah, you did. Uh, so yeah, not an overall uplifting film margin call, uh, but not all films are supposed to be. No, and it's definitely not. Some films are supposed to be shit. (laughs) Well, I got to, I probably never would have seen it had you not brought it up. Uh, it's definitely not the type of thing I gravitate towards. Uh, so, you know, thanks. Yeah, uh, but sure. But it did make me want to go back and watch Glenn Gary Glenn Ross again for some reason, like the probably the spacey mm. connection because he's literally the, the same sort of character almost as the the guy like herding all of the yeah. other people in the office to do the bidding of the company. I was like, there's a lot of. I think it's kind here. of like, I think it's kind of like after you watch Glenn Gary Glenn Ross, you go, wow, I wonder what'll happen to this poor fucker in like 20 30 years what? <laughs> yeah well now we find out exactly his dog dies yeah. and some other things i need the yeah. glen gary leads i can't do it without the glen gary leads that's my pacino they impression. took the phones they took the oh <laughs> so yeah um yeah yeah i this this obviously made me want to watch the big short again also made me think of boiler room yeah uh boiler room has the the problem of having definite bad guys and definite good guys yeah. and sort of a moral black and white that's kind of obnoxious which is but. most of these like wall street is the same way gordon gecko is just yeah. literally the embodiment of avarice uh and you can't really root for him whereas i think where margin mm. call made the right move is that nobody is deliberately evil or good uh or even necessarily wrong yeah uh, but they are going to fuck up a lot of people. Yeah. Well, as and it came out right around the time when a lot of people were just, you know, hemorrhaging their own money yeah. because this shit happened to them for real. Yeah. Well, I think that the the Jeremy Irons line sums it up when he's in the meeting and he just basically, you know, I when you all started here, I I said three things uh for being successful. Uh you know, either be first, you'd be smart or you cheat. And it's like, that's the best mission statement for these types of people I can think of. And he's like, so we don't want to cheat. Uh, and there's certainly a lot of smart people here, but not smart enough to have figured out how not to do this. So we're going to be first. Uh, <laughs> and that's sort of the, the common action sort of theory, where if once you're the first and then everybody else sort of follows suit because of course. And so that's how Goldman Sachs uh managed to stay ahead of it whereas layman brothers totally collapsed it's like that thing so if you're first out of the gate you got the edge and that's really all that matters it's so disappointing it's so cynical i was just like oh <laughs> fuck me but hey whatever all right uh, so i guess then the the a, a positive review uh you guys like it or well, i would recommend it it's a good movie i got to the end of it and i'm like so Happy entertaining podcast time. <laughs> going to have to figure yeah, out really. how to turn this into gold. But yeah, but yeah, yeah, that's the other thing. Like after I suggested it, I was like, I don't know, maybe it's a bad fucking idea. <laughs> I mean, life is pretty like horrifying yeah. right now. Maybe I should do like, what's your favorite 
Disney cartoon or some uh, shit. And then I thought, nah, fuck them. They made me watch so many weird movies. I'm going to make them watch this. <laughs> yeah, well, that's we when you brought it up. And you're like, run two and Speed Racer into the show. I think we're doing yeah. okay. Well, that's like, like, I love Eric's reservations with this after he mentioned it. We're like, yeah, okay, whatever. He's like, you guys want to maybe do something else? But I did remind you that I watched Masters of the fucking Universe. (laughs) 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 I'm like, it's not a contest. I don't care. Obviously, I don't care if I'm watching Cannonball Run 2. Yeah, give me some quality for Pete's sake. (laughs) So, yeah, thank you. Oh, you guys. (laughs) So, if you want to check out those shows, uh, subscribe to the podcast. They're right there. Just just check it out. They're there, right? Or, yeah. Or, check it out. You know, find one and share it with your friends. Uh, if you want to see a website with all those episodes, you can go to maghuge.com. Uh, we got all our old episodes on there. Thank you, Chris, for keeping that going. And um, you can also find links to all of our uh, ways to you can tell us uh, what depressing movies you want us to try to make sound funny. Uh, hit us up on Twitter. Or you can tell us what entertaining films we've never talked about that you'd like us to talk about. Because if you don't, then next week we're going to be discussing Death in Venice and The Sorrow yeah. of the Pity. <laughs> so help us out here. And stop yeah. it. Yeah. Hit us up at, at, uh, at MagHuge on Twitter. Or, or yeah. go to our Facebook page for the Magnificently Huge podcast. Hit us up on Instagram or email us, uh, magnificentlyhuge at gmail.com. And uh, yeah, help us out. Yeah. Seriously. Or else it's going to be the musical version of Seventh Seal.